The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms We're America, your family, a land of liberty We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free We are America and we truly do believe You're the backbone of our nation Thanks to you we're living free We're a quilt of many colors And we breathe red, white, and blue We're America, your country And America wants you It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray, along with his co-host, Linda Crater. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is April 8th, 2014. I'm your host, Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Gary. How are you today? Good, good. How are you doing? We're fine. We're going to have some sunshine today, which is a nice change from pretty much wearing a snorkel. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. That's true. We also have with us Lieutenant Colonel Wilbert B. Forbes, U.S. Army retired, and Major Robert C. Sharps, U.S. Air Force retired. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Good morning. Our prayers go out to the families of uh, at oh, at uh, Fort Hood. Uh, what what's happening in this world? What's going on? Any ideas on how this could have been avoided? I think a lot of situational awareness um, has really been brought to the fore, and I think that there will be some tools in the future that do help at least identify behaviors that are signals to people. It's the old, if you see something, do something. Yes, definitely. Bill, you have any comment on that? Well, Gary, I think this speaks to the fact that uh, as our men and women return from combat in the battlefield to home and community, there are a number of issues and concerns that need to be addressed, and we've got to be very sensitive to that, and the mental health portion is very, very important. Amen. Yes. Okay. Well, we want to hear from our listeners. Go to our blog on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and give us your opinion 
on how this could have possibly been avoided. Today's show is titled County Veteran Service Officers Making a Difference. And Bob, since you're a personal friend of our guest, why don't you go ahead and, and introduce him? Well, thank you, Gary. And uh, actually, uh, uh, Bill Forbes and myself uh, had the pleasure of meeting uh, Mr. Young when we were both assigned to the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs. And, uh, and, and as you said, Jim is a former president of the National Association of County Veteran Service Offices. And as the past president, he served as the association's chief executive officer and the liaison between the association and the Department of Veterans Affairs and other veteran service organizations that were responsible for keeping the Department of Veterans Affairs informed of the association's concerns and, of course, and suggestions. Um, Jim also has a seat on the board of directors, and he serves as the vice chair of the Veterans and Military Service Committee of the National Association of Counties, also known as NACO. Um, Jim is a Vietnam veteran. He retired after 25 years of meritorious service, and he holds bachelor degrees in both business management and human resources with specializations with a minor in women's studies. You know, I can't think of anyone more eminently qualified to speak on this subject. And let me go to you, Jim. Uh, why don't, as a starter, give us kind of an overview of what the County Veteran Service Officers Program is and how it did make a difference in the, uh, the community. Okay, well, in, in Wisconsin, uh, in 2010, we celebrated 75 years of County Veteran Service Officers. Um, as a matter of fact, the first CVSO hired in the U.S. was hired in Fond du Lac County, Wisconsin, in 1933. And our forefathers had the hindsight, in my opinion, to see the need for a county service officer in every county because today so many people go unserved simply because there's no place to go to get service. Uh, service organizations do an outstanding job uh, assisting veterans and their family members, but they aren't in every county. Most often, they're in a regional office in a major city, so they don't get the opportunity to get out where the rubber meets the road, as I say. And the county service officer is that person at the county level. He or she shops at the same places that their veterans shop, attend the same churches, kids go to school together, and so we are very in tune to our veterans' needs. And so when they come in to see us about applying for benefits, uh, it's, it's a great thing. It's an excellent opportunity for us to talk to that veteran and his family members about what benefit they are seeking and the most um, direct route to get there. We don't just give a veteran a form to fill out and bring it back when it's done. We do the work for them. We show them the most expeditious way to traverse the VA's uh, red tape system. That's what we do every day. So uh, I, I think I'm in a, a really good position. I don't consider my job work because I enjoy it so much. All right. Now, Jim, what would you... Tell us the difference between uh, an advocate uh, over at the VA and, and a, a county advocate. Okay, an advocate at the VA, uh, that person remains at the VA. So to see that person, you have to go over to a VA hospital, as an example, 
to, to see that person, and uh, that person will assist you. But again, we have both vets and our family members who aren't uh, able to get out. So then, how are these people going to be seen? Who's going to take care of their needs? And so at the county level, I tell people jokingly, I make it real hard for them to see me because I make <laughs> home visits, I go to nursing homes, I go to assisted living facilities, I go to uh, American Legion meetings, DAV meetings, VFW meetings, wherever I believe I've got an audience of veterans and our family members, that's where we go to take care of business. All right. Jim, this is, uh, this is Bill, and, and welcome to our show today. Uh, in conversations that we've had in the past, uh, uh, we recognize that uh, the county veteran service offices are not located in every state across the country. I think uh, the last time we had a discussion, we had, the number 13 seems to ring a bell of where uh, the states, uh, it, it, the county veteran service officers are absent in those states. Could you tell us, uh, and I know this is a long, drawn-out way, but in a brief way, how can this uh, uh, county veteran service uh, program be introduced into a state where it, it does not exist at the present time? Well, to me, uh, the most economical way to do this is that every state in the country has on its statue or in its, on its books a provision for veterans getting state benefits, if you will, uh, tax breaks, uh, tuition remission. And so all it would take, in my opinion, is a friendly amendment to that statue to mandate county service officers in those states. Like I was out in Virginia a couple of years ago talking with our legislators about the program and made a comparison for them of Enrico County, Virginia. At the time, the population was, I believe, 24,300, and I compared that to Forsyth County, North Carolina. Their population was 24,000. Physical year 2009, Enrico County, Virginia, through the service organizations there, generated, as we call for its veterans, $34 million. That sounds very impressive. Forsyth County, North Carolina, same time frame, $131 million. That's taking care of business. Wow. And, and these are all new federal dollars coming to those These are new federal dollars coming in to the veterans in mailbox. This is not in kind. These people spend these dollars locally, and these dollars turn seven times at the local level, according to our auditors. And how many states are you in, Jim? Uh, we are in, well, just matter of fact, last week I was in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. We uh, got the state of Indiana Department of Veterans Affairs as a member, and last week, starting last uh, Monday, we trained 91 of their members to be county service officers. So I'm very excited about having these 91 members on board. But there are still 18 states that are behind the eight ball, in my opinion. And that includes Maryland? That includes Maryland, the district, and the state of Virginia. 
Who would you want to talk to in Maryland? Who would I want to talk to in Maryland? The governor and the director of the State Department of Veterans Affairs. Okay. Because they seem to be really opposed to this idea, and I don't see, in my opinion, if there's something out there that can help your veterans, I think that's something we should we should address. And if those persons can get off the county rolls, as I call it, not having to go to Health and Human Services, not having to go to the county health department, but paying their own way, that tax-paying citizens now, I don't see anything wrong with that. No. Not What's at your, all. No. Not at all. All right. Well, we're gonna, I'll tell you what. We're going to quick take a quick break, okay? Uh, this way we can come back and continue on. I'm Gary Ray along with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest, Jim Young. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back. We're here with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest, Jim Young. And uh, when we are on break, um, Bob, you came up with a question that uh, is a pretty good question. Go ahead and ask it. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Jim, as you know, Bill and I, you, when you get together, we always discuss that uh, the greatest void out there in the veterans community is that void of information. And more importantly, that misinformation that's out there. And especially in the largest population of our veteran community of Vietnam veterans, they have what they call presumptive service-connected conditions and diseases associated with Agent Orange, which I am actually a product of. And one of the questions they come up with is, is ALS a presumptive service-connected condition? And then, you know, how long do I have to apply for it if I can at all? Okay. Uh, part one to that question is, yes, ALS is a presumptive service-connected condition. As of 23 September 2008, it became a presumptive condition because uh, – some medical schools did some research and concluded that ALS was more prevalent among the military population than it was the general population. And so as a result of that, the secretary of the VA decided to make it a presumptive condition, and there is no time limit on when that person can apply for that or a family member. Matter of fact, I just had one this past October. The lady's husband passed away in 2003 of ALS. She just filed a claim in October, and uh, it was granted, uh, DIC as it's called, Death and Indemnity Compensation, and she now receives $1,233.20 a month for life, tax-free, and the VA can use what's called the liberalizing rule. In other words, if you file your claim, what they call fast track, uh, they can go back 12 months from the date of the claim and grant service connection. In my latest case, uh, her date of claim was October 16, 2013. They went back 12 months to October 2012 and paid her a retroactive check in a neighborhood of $14,500. But there is no time limit that you have to apply. What I try to get out to my clients and people in the neighborhood, if you know anyone that you believe passed away of ALS, please have that family member get a hold of me, and we will look at the record to be absolutely sure this is, is correct and see if there's a family member available like a spouse, to uh, receive benefits on that person's behalf. You know, Jim, this is Bob again. One of the, the challenges out there, and I think that you, you, you touched on it earlier, is that individuals who file their own claims normally takes a lot longer because they're not really keyed in on what is needed. And you just mentioned a, a keyword that says fast track. There's also another keyword that say is a uh, totally, uh, um, uh, uh, fully developed. The totally developed claim. Now, totally developed claim. Yes, it's totally developed claim. Correct. And, and and the fact that the backlog is so long because a lot of them don't have the information is that one of the reasons why you feel that the service officers, the county service officers, have been an asset 
in assisting those individuals who uh, to, to, to guide them through the, the myriad of infrastructure to, uh, of, of getting uh, their claim into the system so they can be reviewed as a totally developed claim? Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, the CVSOs have been filing fully developed claims for at least 10 years. And the VA finally jumped on that bandwagon about three years ago in that when we submit claims, we gather all of the medical evidence required, uh, whether it's through uh, that person's private physician. If it's in the possession of the federal government, then the VA is responsible for obtaining that evidence. But any medical evidence that's at a civilian facility, we assist that person in obtaining and, again, submitting that fully developed claim. What that means is that when a VA gets that claim, the only thing that's needed is a rater rated. It's ready to go. There isn't a long, drawn-out information that's needed. It is ready to go. But now the person needs to keep in mind, once you submit that claim as fully developed, do not submit every, anything else uh, a month down the road because what you're going to do, you're going to disturb that fully developed claim track, if you will, and that fully developed claims now becomes a traditional claim. And so I emphasize to my clients, we're submitting this fully developed. Don't disturb it. Let it ride its course. And we've had great success, but I also agree with the theory that one of the major reasons of the backlog is people submitting claims that aren't fully developed, number one. They have no idea what they're doing number two, and more importantly, they are appealing decisions that shouldn't be appealed. That's a major factor in the backlog. You know, that's an excellent point, Jim, and also the fact that it's one of the reasons that gives credence to why a county service officer is probably a, a better way to go because if you give them what they call a power of attorney, they will be informed. They're more in tune to what is needed, what is not needed, and to correspond back and forth with the VA so that you don't interrupt that track that you just mentioned. And I know of several people who have done that, and you're absolutely right. From a fully developed claim, they turned it into a traditional one because they introduced new information, which in most cases need not even been submitted. That is absolutely correct. I, I use a term that they've been talking with their bathroom lawyer friends. <laughs> and I've told them, you know, if you send this in, you can get this percentile, or you send that in, um, and that's just absolutely wrong. The evidence will determine what percent you get, whether it be zero or 100. Submit the evidence to support the claim. It's just that simple. If the evidence don't support the claim, your claim will be denied. It's not a mystery. And when the VA denies the claim, most people don't realize this. They tell you why it was denied, and the very next paragraph, they tell you what you need to fix it, to make it a good claim. People omit that part. They don't see it. All they see is, my claim was denied. That's all they see. Jim, this is Bill. Um, 
from what you've just said, I'd like for you to extend this a little bit into a new process, fairly new process that the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs has. It's called a paperless claim. But could you tie that in also uh, to this discussion? About the paperless claim is where the claim is submitted electronically from my office, as an example, to our regional office here in Wisconsin, which is Milwaukee. Uh, you do it online, of course, and the applications are there. You fill them out, and you hit the send button. And about 10 minutes later, you will have a receipt showing that it was received. And again, this is the VA is going paperless. And some people are glad to hear that, and some are terrified. <laughs> those, those who are terrified aren't uh, computer literate. And so they're used to the old pen and pencil route, if you will. Well, the VA is going to go paperless. They've started the process now, and it's just a matter of time before it's in full force. And so we all need to get on that bandwagon and do that uh, electronic claims. That's interesting. And, and this is Bob again. And, and following on one more point in that, when you talked about denied claims, you know, if a claim for compensation is denied, how soon after that should a person appeal, or can they appeal the decision? If a claim is denied, uh, the person has one year to appeal it. But if you are in my county, we look at appealing. My first question to my client, what are you appealing? That's a question. If he or she says, well, I believe I should be 30% and they only gave me 10, then I get the rating code book up for that person and we look at what the rating codes say based on the medical condition. If the medical condition only warrants 10%, uh, a great, great example is tinnitus, ringing in the ears. The best you're going to do for tinnitus on any given day is 10%. So why would you want to appeal that? And there are people that come in wanting to do it. There's nothing to appeal. You can't get any more. You can't get blood from a turnip. That's all there is and there ain't no more. And so we make sure the person has something to appeal before we start that process. And once we start that process, we need to let the regional office know within 60 days offering what's called a DRO, Decision Review Officer Review. The DRO works for the VA, but he or she is independent of anyone in the regional office, meaning he or she can change the decision without consulting anyone else in the office, not even the director. They will review the case, and if they see where that person should have been 30% but was only granted... Ten, they can change that decision. But now if they review the case and they agree with that 10% uh, rating, then that person can still go on with that process and submit uh, what's called a Form 9, which is formally <coughs> acknowledging to the VA, uh, advising them, 
that you wanted to appeal this case, and here's why. You tell them what you're unhappy about and what you feel should have happened, and they will look at your issues. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Here's our newsflash. American Heroes Water is the first of several consumer products that will be sold nationally to benefit the Military Order of the Purple Heart Service Foundation. We have entered into an exclusive product support agreement that will benefit many. We all look forward to welcoming American Heroes Water into commissaries, veteran service organizations, food service locations, as well as retail outlets throughout the USA. Look for American Heroes Water, powered by the American Heroes Network, on local retailer shelves around July 4th, 2014. And if you don't see it, ask your local retailer to order it. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda. Bill, Bob, and our guest, Jim Young. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo@americanheroesnetwork.com. At Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest, Jimmy Young. And uh, we're talking about uh, county service officers. 
I hear that noise again. <laughs> but anyway. I hear it too. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jim, why don't you, uh, there's a question as far as why don't doctors fill out uh, the, the, the DBQs while I, while I wait. Uh, is there a reason for that? Actually, it's very simple. Uh, most physicians, specialists in particular, have uh, like a 15-minute window per patient. And so you take this DBQ, which is a disability benefit questionnaire, you take this to Dr. Smith as an example, and you want him to wait while he fill it out. Well, I hate to be the bear of bad news. It's not going to happen. And so the best thing that person can do is leave it with the doctor's nurse and ask him or her at their convenience if they would fill it out and return it to you. What I give my clients when they are getting a DPQ, I also give them a self-addressed stump envelope that the doctor can mail it back to me, and it doesn't cost that doctor a nickel. But that's the main concern why a physician won't fill it out because the person wants to wait while they do it, and not, that's not going to happen. And what the, what the DBQ does, uh, I'm, I'm sure most of you heard about when a person goes to the VA, they file a claim, and they have to go to the VA for an exam in reference to that claim. And that, that's uh, an area where the DBQ is coming into play. You have what's called a compensation and pension examination, let's say for uh, tinnitus or a bad hip or something. And so they're going to give you an exam to see if, if your hip is bad or if you really have ringing in years. And what the DBQ does is eliminates that need because the DBQ are specific. They are specific to body parts. And so if you've got a bad hip, you're going to get a DBQ for your hip. And that doctor fills it out, gets it back to you, and you send it in to the VA, and you've eliminated the need for a comp and pin exam. And that DVQ has enough information on it that the VA regional offices can make a decision without having an examination. So they, they are a very nice document to use. But we have to make sure our vets understand the doctor is not going to Fill it up while you wait. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Jim, you make a good like point, Jim. This is Bob. You, you you couldn't have said that better. And I'm a product of that because when I went to see my doctor, based on my cardiologist, you're right. They get 15 minutes, but if they can do it in 10, they'll do it in 10. And, and you need to be very conscious of their time and respectful of it. I yeah. did leave a self-addressed envelope, and believe it or not, I got it back within two weeks. So we appreciate that, and it does help in getting that, that, maintaining that relationship and not having them feel as though that's what they're there to do. They're there to give you an examination, not to fill out paperwork at that time. That's correct. Which brings me to another point. One, these, when individuals get their compensation, let's, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's approved and awarded uh, a certain amount of compensation. How does that work? Does the compensation start immediately? Is there any retroactivity involved? What are the rules on that? Because that's a big question that comes out in the veteran community and when they say, if I get it, how does that work? 
Okay. The way it works, most often that person is seeking compensation for something that happened to them while in the service. Okay. And so if there's medical evidence in their military medical records supporting that, that becomes effective once it's approved the day after the discharge. They cannot be paid compensation while on active duty. The law doesn't allow that. So, hypothetically, a person uh, is discharged the 30th day of May. If that's the last day of the month, the effective date of the claim will be the first day of the following month. And depending on uh, how far back, like my lady with the uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, they can go back in time and pay you a retroactive amount. Like uh, about 10 years ago, when uh, extemic heart disease and some more things became uh, what's called presumptive as a result of being exposed, exposed to Agent Orange, there were some people here in Wisconsin that got some, uh, some checks that were just life-changing. I mean, literally. I know one gentleman got over $500,000 back pay, tax-free. And so, yes, they can get some retroactive money, uh, again, depending on how far back uh, the claim goes. And in uh, the gentleman's case, and in any other case, that's compensation. All that is tax-free. Jim, this is Bill. Uh, uh, in the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, jargon, there's a phrase that comes to mind, clear and unmistakable uh, errors. Yes. Please explain that and how it can uh, uh, impact a decision uh, either initially and down the road. Okay. Most often, cues happen in uh, an environment that involves a person and a surgical procedure. Not always, but that seems to be the way they happen most often. Uh, a doctor was supposed to go in and scrape John Doe's knee, his left knee, wind up scraping the right knee. That's a cue. Clear and unmistakable error. So that, that, that's done. Uh, and so the VA, unfortunately, pays for that. And... Uh, when we're reviewing our claims with our clients, we look at everything to include a possible cue, clear and unmistakable error, because they do make mistakes. And you want to be able to point that out to your client. All right. Now, Linda. Well, it's interesting listening to this. Does Oregon have county veteran service officers? Oregon, yes, ma'am, they do. Okay. I had a call yesterday from a woman whose husband is a Vietnam vet, Agent Orange, one of the cancers under Agent Orange, right. and has not been able to get help. Her husband is now in hospice, has about three weeks to four weeks to live, and she's spending all of her hours searching for a way to get some help. And so I sent her to the State Department of Veteran Affairs, right to the director. Okay. And I believe that she is getting help. Um, but this is a, is the VA 
aware that they can refer, if their backlog is so high, that they can refer in the states that do have county veteran service officers. Because this woman's last days with her husband are very, it's very unfortunate that she's spending her time this way. Right. Correct. Yeah, uh, the VA is aware that there are those states, unfortunately, that don't have people like myself or they don't have them in every county. Mm-hmm. There are some states that have county service officers, but not in every county. And I can agree with that to a degree. If you've got one county, for example, that has only 500 veterans and you've got another one that's got 3,000, well, uh, I think the one with the 3,000 will stand a better chance of having the service officer. Uh, like in my county, I have a second office across the county. It's 40 miles away, but I'm over there two or three times a month to take care of people in the eastern part of the county. You do, you do what you have to do for your client. And this lady in Oregon, uh, not every county has service officers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so what she needs to do, well, you've, you've referred her to the VA already, but, uh, no, to the state, to the State to, Department of VA, because the VA has blocked her request too many times. So she's getting actually help through the state um, director state of the VA. Mm-hmm. But what I'm asking is, is the VA able to refer people or let them know about the county veteran service officers? As we've spoken sure. many times on this program, a lot of people are unaware of the services and service people who can help them. So is there a good uh, relationship in terms of the VA uh, taking advantage of using all of these yes. additional services if they're backlogged? Yes, there is, especially at your hospitals, okay? I get referrals on a regular basis from the hospital in my area. Uh, they're referring someone to me for service to file a claim for whatever condition, but they believe the person has a good claim and will refer them to my office. So that, yes, that is that does happen. Uh, and I do believe that the VA uh, is well aware that 80% of their original claims originate in the County Veterans Service Office. Excellent. Uh, not any place else, but the County Service Office is where they originate. And, and Jim, this is Bob. That speaks even more to the need for the states to have an aggressive outreach and advocacy program because the VA in no way can do that with 23.1 million or whatever number you want to use in today's statistics to get that word out. And that's where I think it, it, it lies. The base and foundation of that should be within the state, and they need to have an aggressive outreach program in order to get that word out. Because as we said in the beginning, there's a tremendous void out there. And for your listeners out there now, which can be anywhere from 4 to 7 million people, they're getting this information now, but how about the other 14 or 15 million that are not listening and need to get that information? Oh, I, I agree 100%. Like, to me, the, the biggest failure on the planet is the state of Virginia. I am just appalled at that. Uh, there is 865,000 veterans in that state, I believe. And the State Department of Veterans Affairs 
has 22 offices around the state to <laughs> take care of veterans, and they do an excellent job. But I, I use the analogy for them, and they weren't really thrilled with it, but I didn't really care. And that it appears to me that the veterans have B-52 bombers, and the service office has BB guns. Wow. The one office in particular down in the Tidewater region, Newport News, Hampton Roads area, that one office is responsible for 165,000 veterans. Mm. That's absolute suicide. Definitely. If everybody could hold that thought, we're going to take a quick, short break. But before we do, I'd like to remind everyone that American Heroes Network is not just a radio program. In order for you to stay updated on what's going on within the network, go to theamericanheroesnetwork.com. All updated information is also available from any mobile device, and all our shows are archived on demand 24-7. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest, Jim Young. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. 
That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Linda, Bill, Bob, and our guest, Jim Young. And, Jim, you're talking about how many veterans per uh, service officer or county officer uh, in Virginia? Well, the, the office out down in the uh, Tidewater area, uh, that one office, I don't know the employment makeup, but I do know whatever it is, it's not enough to take care of 165,000 vets. That's their <laughs> workload. And so you leave home and go to work today, you're underwater. You leave work and go home, you're still underwater. There's no end in sight. And so having a service officer at the county level would only enhance that State Department of Veterans Affairs person and their workload. The county service officer doesn't take anything from the state employee. He or she enhances that workload. And in most states, Wisconsin is included, we have a really good working relationship with our State Department of Veterans Affairs. A wonderful relationship. Jim, I believe in the state of Virginia, out of every 10 residents, one in 10 is a veteran. That sounds feasible, yeah. It's just a, a large, very large veterans population there, and I don't know why someone at the uh, state level hasn't picked up on it. Well, you make a very good point, this is Bob. I think uh, we in the state of Maryland, I believe we have, what, about 475, 73,000 bill veterans yes. in the state of Maryland, and we have right. about seven service offices assigned to the state that handle that. And and let me tell you, in the rural areas where it takes people almost about three to four hours round trip just to get to the VA, they're not getting served. They're very much underserved. But, but um, Jim, how about quickly, how do these service officers get trained? I mean, to have a county service officer, there has to be a certified service officer, and they must be trained and certified in order to act as a uh, an advocate uh, and a POA, if you would, a, po- a power, POA, power of attorney. How does that work, and who does that? Uh, they usually are starting off at the state office. As an example, the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs will train a number of people that are accredited with the Maryland State Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, that allows that person to uh, talk to that department about veterans' claims that they are accredited to discuss. Now, if I am in Maryland and my power of attorney doesn't allow me to discuss a claim for disabled American veterans or military order the Purple Heart, then the VA won't talk to me. Literally, they won't talk to me. And uh, I, I can agree with that. But now uh, where we come into play on a national level, you go to our training, which we do uh, once a year, and it's coming up in uh, June. We're going to do it in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You are accredited through our national organization. You can also get cross-accredited and four of the service organizations by virtue of attending our training. 
The VA considers NACVSL's training as the standard. And so we're, we're very proud of that. And the person, you must attend 32 hours of training and then uh, to maintain your continuing education units, you must maintain 16 hours annually. And this is what general counsel requires. And so we make sure that happens because when you send in, in your CEU, SWAT National Service Director, you also have to send in a copy of your agenda because you have to have training in certain areas. For example, like ethics. You've got to have some ethics training every year. That's going to happen. Hmm. All right. Well, Jim, we told you that this hour was going to fly by, didn't we? Wow. <laughs> well, we only, we only have a little bit more than two minutes left, and we want to thank you for being on our show today. And, Jim, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing? I, w I would like to share with your listener, if you are in need of uh, services, to file a claim, find out the status of a claim, seek out your county veteran service office. In most cases, they're in your telephone book on the county government. And these people are there for you. We work for you, the veteran. We're county employees. We don't work for the VA, which a lot of people believe we do. We don't work for the VA. Our job is getting you the best benefit available. Period, point blank, end of conversation. All right. All right. Linda? Thank you for sharing this additional resource with us, and um, we'll work on those other states that don't yet have county veteran service officers. That's right. And Bill? Jim, thanks for being with us today. We certainly enjoyed this, but we've just begun. We only touched the tip of the iceberg if we got that far. All right. Yeah. And Bob? And Bob? Yeah, I'd just like to ditto that, Jim, and I share the same responses that we certainly appreciate what you lend us as far as that information is concerned. And you not only emphasize the need for additional county service officers in order to serve our veteran community out there, we appreciate the time you've given us and the information, which is so welcome. Thank you. Yes, again, thank you. Today's show has been brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7 on AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. And remember, the American Heroes Network spotlights and promotes the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any device. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda, Bill, and Bob, signing off, and thank you for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and have a terrific week. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host, Linda Crater, again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue. We're America, your country. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 